Hey everyone, and welcome to the NCC More podcast. This is a time where we kind of come around the table and we continue the conversation that we started on Sunday. And right now I have Pastor Destiny in the room with me. Yes. And wow, Sunday was so, it was so good. It was incredible. Of course, I'm kind of biased because it, it's my favorite message that is preached from our pulpit. Um, this is the second time you've preached it, um, but it was absolutely incredible. It's a life-changing message. And before we get into talking about it, right now we're in the middle of this ser- this series, uh, Friend of Sinners, mm-hmm. which we've based out of this book by your your brother-in-law, Rich Wil- Wilkerson Jr., uh, titled Friend of Sinners. Um, and if you don't have a copy, you want to pick up a copy. Absolutely. Uh, of course, this next Sunday is our last Sunday in this series. Uh, but we have those available at our book cart, and uh, and you definitely want to get a copy. All of our groups are going through it, and it's it's life changing. You know, something that Pastor Phillips said is it doesn't matter if you just started following Jesus a week ago, or if you've been following Jesus for sixty years. This book speaks to you, and I really think uh, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, it, it may speak to you even more mm-hmm. because it really requires you to go back to the very foundation. And I don't say the basics because it, it's not basic. It is it is the deepest part of the gospel because it's the core and the heart of the gospel that right. Jesus chose to be a friend of sinners, which includes me, mm-hmm. but it also includes everybody else too. Yeah, yeah. So it's this massively mind-blowing, inclusive thing that we really stake our lives on, that, mm-hmm. that Jesus feels this way about us and that he loves us that way, but then also requires us to love others the same way. So yes, I, I think the book, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. I, I know that I will read it more than once mm-hmm. because of it, it really does such a great job of, of showing us this truth throughout so many different stories. Right. You know, it, it's it's like reading um, these stories afresh every time I, I see them in the chapters. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's been a great summer for our church to be able to read this together. Yes, yes. It's I know it's 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 challenged and inspired me so much and it really has our whole church. I mean, you can you can almost feel it whenever you get talking to people and stuff. So it's great. But uh we're gonna dive into talking about Sunday. Sunday was so so incredible. First off, it was just a fun Sunday. It was. It was such a fun Sunday. And and um, it, I think it is always a fun Sunday when we get to be together. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, this is one of our anchor cultural messages mm-hmm. um, as a church. And it's wonderful to get to lean in um, together to something that we really want to define us as a community. Right, right. And we talked about the, the story of the Good Samaritan, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but it, we just call it the Good Samaritan. Yes. <laughs> it's actually never called the Good Samaritan no. in, in, in Scripture, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, but the, the whole concept of this story and we, we, I, how we identify which, with each character that Jesus presents in the story. Uh, and you started off talking about the lawyer who first off you know, um, uh, came to Jesus with this question, how do I inherit eternal life? You know, what, what must I do? You know, and, and Jesus came, he said, love your neighbor. Yes. And then he presents this story and, and he, but you talked about how the lawyer was really looking to justify himself. Absolutely. 
and and uh, and how how a lot of times that that's how we are. We seek we go to God looking to justify ourselves. Can you kind of can we kind of talk about that for a second? Like how does that look like in our modern day culture? Well, I think I think really what it looks like is an addiction to the process mm-hmm. um, because we we like to think of ourselves as truth seekers. Mm-hmm. We like to think of ourselves as people who are trying to find God or trying to find truth. Um, but then when we're presented with some truth, uh, we want to keep the process going. We don't want to actually have to respond to that truth. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it looks, that's really what happens in the story is he asked Jesus a, a concrete question. Um, Jesus asks him a question back and accepts his answer as the truth. He says, okay, just do that. But he doesn't really want to do it. Mm -hmm. He doesn't really want the conversation to end. He wants it to continue to be vague enough that he can just talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So he wants he wants to to but 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 really how do you do that? But really how do you make this happen? Well, really, who is your neighbor? He's not asking for an answer because he doesn't want to take action. Mm -hmm. He's asking for another conversation. And I think that we see this play out a lot in our modern context. Um, And usually it starts in conversations that sound like this. Well, the problem with the church is, Mm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you and I have have heard those conversations. Maybe, Maybe we've even at certain points in our life been part of those conversations, right? The problem with the church is, and then somebody will posit maybe a solution or they'll say something that's concrete and we'll say, yeah, but how does that really work out? I mean, I don't know if it works in this context. I don't know if it works in that context. And you have this long conversation and nobody walks away with anything that's concrete. No one's life got changed. Nobody really was loved. Nobody, no action was taken. Mm -hmm. And it's this procrastination of action. And that's really what justification is, is, mm. is you know you can't do it by yourself. So what you do instead is you just keep going around and around the question because it still looks like you're trying to do it. Mm. Right? Mm, that is so good. Yeah. It still looks like you're, I mean, it still looks like he's trying to pursue mm-hmm. eternal life. But in reality, he's just stalling. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. procrastinating his action. And, and I think that's one of the many ways um, that we can see that happen in our own lives. But, mm. you know, we don't want to be the lawyer. We don't want to be seeking to justify ourselves either through um, narrowing uh, who actually qualifies to be loved. We do that. Um, there was the concept of the, uh, the um, uh, oh, it's, it's in uh, Victorian England. It started to come out. Um, the, the poor that deserve, the deserving poor. Okay, the concept of the deserving poor came out Victorian England, and basically what happened is they started to take the concept of uh, Christian charity and say that it should only be applied to those who deserve it. So some of the poor are deserving and some are not. Hmm. Now, if only some of the poor are deserving, that means that the poor that are not deserving don't deserve to be helped, which means I no longer have a Christian obligation to help them. Now, we can see this in our lives, too, right? right we can see right. this. This concept of the deserving poor has continued even to today. Um, but it's not a Christian concept. Right. It's, it's a lawyer concept. Mm-hmm. It's, a, um, it's a seeking to justify ourselves because we don't really want to help everybody. Mm-hmm. We don't really want to love the way that Jesus loved. And so we start 
putting people outside of the circle. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really what we're seeing when we see this lawyer is, yes, he's trying to procrastinate, but also he's trying to, um, he's trying to otherize. He's trying to say, no, not those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes also when we can twist scripture to justify our stance of not helping other people. I think that's one of the, that's the dangerous that's one of the dangerous traps of religion. Yes it is. Uh, because you think you're living godly, you think you're following Jesus, but really you're justifying your prejudice or your or, or your view towards other people um, and kind of giving yourself a way out and making yourself feel good about it. And, and let's be honest, it gets really complicated when you throw politics into it. Yep. And, yep. and that's why if you ever confuse your Christianity with your with your politics, you'll quickly go down a very bad route mm-hmm. um, because Christians do not fit, especially um, in a two-party system, but I don't think they've ever fit on any political system mm-hmm. because we're not made for this world. Right. Um, there's going to be things on every side that should offend us and that do, mm-hmm. or that we cannot support. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, some of the people who I have seen turn into lawyers the fastest are the ones who um, really believe that his kingdom will come through politics. And Jesus made very clear that that's not going to happen. Because if it was going to happen, he would have done it himself. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way he intends it to happen. And right. so um, what we're called to do is we're called to find Jesus, as um, Mother Teresa said, among the pots and the pans, mm-hmm. among the daily activities of love and life uh, that we're all called to. Yeah. And so I, I think it's important that we not get distracted um, from the good that we can do to mm-hmm. everyone that comes in our path. Right. Um, you know by politics, by the the Twitter rage war of, you know, whatever the day is, whatever it yeah. is. Like we can't we can't get distracted by those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think sometimes people are reluctant to join in on the pots and the pans because that actually takes a little bit of work. It does. It takes some time. It takes it's not always convenient. It's not always comfortable. No, it's not. It's really not. And, you know, in our story, Jared, we talk about the lawyer who who justifies, and then we start talking about the priest who judges. Mm-hmm. And really, it's two, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, it, when you give up justifying yourself, then you start to judge others because judging others makes you feel better about yourself mm-hmm. in part. Um, and, and it starts to help you to feel more distant from the pain of others. It gives you an excuse not to dive in, like you just said, into the inconvenient parts of what's going on in other people's lives. And, and really, it creates a box around you. And that's one of the things we talked about on Sunday, mm-hmm. is the box that it creates, um, and it distorts our view of reality and allows us to separate ourselves from those that are around us. And and eventually that box can become a soapbox. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I have talked yeah. about that quite often because we both are very passionate about different topics, but right. we always have to say, wait, God, don't don't let me spend my life going after a soapbox right. or a pet project or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, but instead, let me lean into what you've called me to do, mm-hmm. how you've called me to love, the good you've asked me to do. Right, right. And I think you you, you mentioned a couple of, of direct handles on Sunday. You know, you might be on a soapbox if. Absolutely. And, and you talked about, you know, ranting on social media, uh, which is a real thing. I think you, I think you may have coined this, if not... 
We'll just say you coined it. I'm <laughs> kidding. But uh, I, no one's ever gotten saved off of a social media rant or a social media post for that matter. No, and nobody's ever gotten saved off of a soapbox either. Right. Because, Absolutely. Because people respond to a savior. They don't mm-hmm. respond to soapboxes. Yeah. Yeah. And we can even say the right things but be standing on the wrong thing when we say it, and it's not going to be received. That is so good. And I think that's the, the difference. You know, we, we all know the difference between somebody who is speaking to us because they love us and somebody who's speaking at us because they they dislike what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we don't respond to the second one. We right. mute them. We block them. Mm-hmm. And the first one, um, even if we have a negative initial reaction, usually we'll come back to the table mm-hmm. because we know the reasons why they're talking to us mm-hmm. and so or the reasons why they're communicating to us. And, and I, I think really, honestly, as Christians, um, we can buy into... Uh, the social media world on a level that's very deceptive. You know, I, I get very irritated when people send me Christian chain letters on social media. And that's what those are. When mm-hmm. when they show, you know, tag me on a post and say, you know, I bet you won't share this because you're ashamed of Jesus. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but you don't get to decide um, the way that I express my faith. And I'm not going to be, one, shamed mm-hmm. into something but two, um, what what are you trying to say? Yeah. Like, what? How, how is that loving? How is that even towards me? Mm-hmm. What, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, we're trying to go viral. Let's make Jesus go viral. Jesus is the most important person on the planet. I think he's already viral. Yeah. He took <laughs> 500 followers and turned them into what? I think it's like close to 2 billion today. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need our help to go viral. Right. He wasn't waiting for Facebook to make him famous. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, so many times we can get confused by our role Mm -hmm. in all of this. Um, And we don't have humility. Mm -hmm. And uh, a Facebook rant is a great soapbox, but it's really not a great place to to engage in great communication. Although I will say there are people who will post wonderful posts that are informational and you can tell their heart is in the right place. And it is easy to have good communication Mm -hmm. there. But a rant, it never did anybody any good. Right, right, right. If anything, it just, at least from what I've experienced, it drives the two parties apart, whether that's a political party or or a view or whatever, because everyone who agrees hops on it and everyone who disagrees, you know, will rant against it. Right. I, I think a, a controversial but really good example of this um, is immigrants and refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very controversial issue in politics, very controversial. But when you post something, let's say, you know, I have some friends who run a nonprofit that um, helps uh, refugees in uh, Greece. They provide them with education and different things like that. Um, They have started to help uh, refugees um, at the southern United States border. And they've been providing different things to them. And I posted about their efforts. There's some people who would say you're being political. I'm not. I'm not being political at all. That's not a stance for or against any policy. Mm-hmm. What it's a stance for is humans. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, I get to do that. Yeah. I get to do that. Because we're four people. Because I'm four people. Right. And I don't always have to have an opinion on the politics behind people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's naive. Okay. Well, then Jesus was naive because he was four people. Mm-hmm. He talked to Romans mm-hmm. and he talked to Jews. Yeah. And he talked to Samaritans 
and he talked to Greeks Mm -hmm. and he talked to people who were on both sides and healed people on both sides of every divide known to Mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. He was for people. Yeah. And we as Christians, we get to, we get to be for people. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I think that's just incredibly important. We also talked about how, uh, You might be on a soapbox if you just are waiting for someone to breathe so you could say your opinion. You've probably experienced that a few times. (laughs) Yep, yep, absolutely. I've been that person because I was very opinionated in high school and coming out of high school, which (laughs) I'm I'm glad I've grown out of that. But someone just, you know, they're sharing their opinion. You know that you don't disagree with them. And you're already, as they're sharing their opinion, you're already, you know, forming your response in their head, waiting for them to pause just long enough so you can insert and tell them why they're wrong. Absolutely. Really, that's pride. It really is pride. And and I think it also is a feeling of I've got to defend whatever it is, too. Mm, yeah. You know, that somehow silence is betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's not. Right. It's not always betrayal. Right. Sometimes you just need to listen to a person. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you think we as as humans are so inclined to jump on soapboxes so quickly? Hmm, that's a really good question. I, I think a large part of it is because we have a tendency to blame others for the problems around us instead of seeing others as potential partners and solutions. Mm. So um, I, I stand up and I go, if everybody would just do what I think, then everything would be fine. And I think that's one of the biggest lies that we can ever we could ever say. In fact, even as parents, we can buy into it. If my kids would just do exactly what I told them, their life would be perfect. Well, your life isn't perfect, and you get to do exactly what you tell you. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that it's going to work out for you to direct somebody else's life. And um, my, you know, my life isn't perfect. So if everybody in the world did exactly what I told them to do, there would probably would be different problems. But they would still be really, really big problems. Mm -hmm. And so um, I I think that's a huge reason why we jump up on soapboxes is it separates us from the the problem. It makes us the solution, and it makes everybody around us Mm non-cooperators. So we can blame a lack of progress on people's refusal to, quote, quote, listen. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I think that's that's a a huge part Of, of why we are so quick to jump up on soapboxes. But the second that we go from theory to action, the second that we go from seeing people as obstacles to be overcome to partners that mm-hmm. need to be included yeah. and that we all need to work together um, as equally valuable, um, that's when we find ourselves off the soapbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what Jesus um Jesus communicated to us with his life when he said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you know, you have to be the servant of all, Mm -hmm. Um, where he said the greatest among you will, you know, will be the one who serves the most. And, and really what that's about is getting off your soapbox and serving others around you so that their talents and their, um, what they bring to the table can come to light so that together we can come to better solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, and I think that's really what comes down to is like, what solutions are we coming to? Uh, I remember whenever um, that uh, whenever that earthquake hit Nepal back in what was that 2013 2014 somewhere in there, and I remember posting something on social media, you know, you know, pray for Nepal and something along those lines, and then you know, like a scripture or something like that. And I went, I was going through my day, and I just, I just begin to feel the spirit of God, you know, begin to speak to my heart, saying, "Is that all you're gonna do?" Wow, you that's know? real because. Yeah. 
yes, yes, we believe in the power of prayer. Yes, we believe that, you know, God is working miracles, but God most often works miracles through that, through what he puts in our hands. It's, it's so incredibly true. And, and I, and you just hit really on the head. Um, something that I've been feeling so convicted about is if I'm passionate about this, then I need to put either my motion or my money where my mouth is. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I don't know what you did. What what did you choose Uh, to do? I I, I ended up giving towards a a nonprofit organization, um, Hope for Humanity, who is, you know, uh, going over there and sending teams over there to help, uh, you know, facilitate. Because obviously I couldn't take time off work and go to Nepal. And you probably wouldn't have been that helpful. Right, exactly. And and, and, and not not that you can't be helpful, Jerry, but you you probably wouldn't have been very helpful in Nepal. Right. But what you did is you took your money and you put it where your mouth was. You took action. And that's really the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. The story of the Good Samaritan is one of the people took action. Mm Mm-hmm. No one else took action. Right. Everybody else, we don't know what their motives were. And Jesus was showing us that action matters. Mm-hmm. And he tried, and he didn't try to say, he did say that mm-hmm. over and over. Well, sometimes we didn't listen well. <laughs> but um, but he says that over and over in the Gospels. One of my favorite stories is, is the story of the two brothers, where mm-hmm. he says, um, you know, there were two brothers who were asked to do something, right, by mm-hmm. their father. And one brother said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. And he went out and did it. Mm-hmm. And the other brother said, absolutely, father. I'll do it. And he went out and he didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And he asked the question, which of these was the one who followed his father? Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, hey, put your motion, put your action, you know, into into place. Don't don't just say the right things. Don't just raise awareness. Mm -hmm. Awareness is is only worth the amount of time that you can keep things at the top. And that... And that amount of time is getting shorter and shorter. Right. I don't know if you've noticed lately. I mean, you know, used to a social media campaign might last for weeks. Now it feels like it lasts for about a day to mm-hmm. three days. Yeah. And then there's something new. Right. That's come along. Outrage mm-hmm. lasts shorter and shorter amount of time. And so we have to take actual action. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what happens when we do. You know, I love I love A21 and, and what Christine Kane has done, but... W- it did not come out of her being smarter than everyone else, even mm-hmm. though I'm sure she's brilliant. Um, at the same time, it, it came out of her taking action, mm-hmm. just choosing to say, yes, I will. Right. Um, my friend who I was telling you about, I think it's called Helping Hands International um, or Lifting Hands International, who works with the refugees. Uh, she was just a college student mm-hmm. who saw what was going on in Greece yeah. and literally went over and started figuring out what she could do. I think she started by just um, handing out backpacks mm-hmm. full of stuff. And wow. then it turned into a whole center. And now she's working in different countries around the world. Well, it wasn't that she was smarter. It's just that she took action. Right. And um, each of us are invited into that, um, I think, by the Good Samaritan story in part, Jared. Mm-hmm. I think um, Jesus is saying that no matter how unlikely you are to be the one mm-hmm. who stops. Yeah. Uh, you can be that person. Right. But in in our Sermon Sunday, we talked about don't try to take your judgmental, justifying self Mm -hmm. and go be a good Samaritan because Mm -hmm. it's not going to turn out very well. Right, right. But if you will recognize the fact that you need Jesus Mm -hmm. and you'll acknowledge your identity as the man in the ditch first, Mm -hmm. then you can join with him Mm -hmm. in, in... changing the world. Right, right. And I love what you said about the Good Samaritan, getting to that. We talked about that at the beginning of the podcast. I mentioned it. 
you mentioned, and I had never seen this in the how many times I've read this, the Bible never calls him a good Samaritan. In fact, the opposite. It's the exact opposite. He calls him the despised Samaritan. Yeah. And he, in fact, he doesn't even say the, he says a despised Samaritan yeah. because, of course, the Samaritans were despised. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people he was speaking to, who were primarily Jews, would have been the ones who were doing the despising, mm-hmm. you know? And right. um, I, I think that it's important, that adjective, because what Jesus is inviting us into mm-hmm. isn't just a, a life of ticker tape parades for our efforts. Mm-hmm. There are people who will highly criticize what we have to mm-hmm. to say. That There are people who um, will sit back and they'll play the role of critic. They won't get into the arena, but they'll tell you everything that you're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite um, stories of this actually is in the environmental realm. There was this young boy who figured out a way to collect plastic out of the ocean. And I mean, that's a pretty good thing to do, I right. would guess. Yeah. And he was one of the first people who kind of figured it out. And he was just destroyed by all of his fellow environmentalists who said, well, that's not the best way. Well, you need to worry about prevention and you need to da 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 And it w- I was sitting there going, why can't we just applaud somebody who took action? Yeah. Why can't we just get excited about <laughs> the fact that this is a huge problem that's probably going to take a lot of different points of view? Now, you may not be into taking plastic out of oceans, but what is there in your city that you're just criticizing? Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard people who are super critical of some of the homeless ministries that we have in this city, but they're not doing anything to help the homeless. I've heard mm-hmm. people who are super critical of uh, ministries that reach out to exotic dancers and to prostitutes. But what are they doing to assist those women in transitioning to um, uh, careers where they feel dignity and they feel control of their life and they're Mm -hmm. not in danger literally on a daily basis? Um, It's easy to be the critic. It's easy to be that person. Um, But it's really hard, just like you were saying earlier, to get your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. And if we don't expect that we're going to be despised and we're going to be rejected just like Jesus, it might catch us off guard Mm -hmm. and make us stop. But if we know from the very beginning, hey, we're going to get criticized, because in the words of of one person, um, the only people who don't get criticized are people who sit still, Mm -hmm. right? If you do anything, you're going to be criticized. You're Mm -hmm. going to be... Um, you're going to be rejected. Uh, If we already know that that is our fate because we follow Jesus who was literally killed Mm -hmm. because he tried to tell people to be kind to each other, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Then we won't be surprised and we'll be able to keep going. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, just following along that line, that train of thought with the despised Samaritan, it could be for us who are Jesus followers, sometimes we classify who is able to help people? Oh, wow. Who's qualified to help people? Mm. When really Jesus called all of us who profess faith in him to help people, yeah. whether whether we've had what we would classify as a crazy past right. and have been following Jesus for a day or someone who's been, you know, in every Bible study since the church has opened and following Jesus for 60 years. A lot of times we qualify who can help who, but Jesus calls all of us. And so... If we see someone coming to the church who their life may, from the outside, look more shattered than ours, because let's be quite frank, we all have issues. We We all all have issues. We all have problems, but we judge them from the outside. We think we're a despised Samaritan, 
but really we're despising other people who are wow. actually Samaritans. No, I think that's I think that's a beautiful thing that all of us are capable of mm-hmm. fulfilling um, the mission and the calling of God mm-hmm. um, in our respective spheres. When we understand that the enemy wants to lie to every single person and tell them that they're unqualified, then we can step beyond it. Mm-hmm. Because you and I, we grew up in pastors' homes, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you know, I, I always like to say that I didn't even chew gum in church. Right. Yeah. Um, my dad used to say um, I, I used to get high on M and M's and Kool Aid. <laughs> you know. I mean. Yeah. It, and and what's funny is that um, not having a past can start to become uh, something that the enemy will say. Well, you don't have a right to speak. Mm. You can't make a difference because you don't have a testimony. Mm-hmm. Right. You right. you can't really you can't really be a Samaritan because you don't understand. You don't. So it's the same lie, mm-hmm. right? That, right? that that the enemy will tell somebody who's been strung out for most of their adult life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's your past that keeps you from being, and then your lack of past that keeps you from being. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. He just wants all of us to stay still. Yeah. But what's amazing is that we cannot defeat that lie by reasoning it away. Mm-hmm. We have to just take action. That is so good. And and almost say, yeah, you're right. Because you never are qualified. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was speaking to a group of people that I respected beyond anything I can even voice. Um, these were heroes of the faith to me. And I was being asked to come bring a sermon to them. And uh, I, I, one, I couldn't believe I was able to, but two, I, I didn't know what to do. And I had this long plane ride and I just was grappling with it in my heart going, God, I don't, I don't have anything to say to these people. I'm not worthy to bring your word to them. And I can remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly. And God doesn't talk to me all the time, but I know this was one time he did um, and said, you are never worthy to speak my word mm. and to bring it to any person. Mm. And that changed my perspective forever because I I repented and Mm -hmm. I said, you're right, God. I've never been worthy to open your word, whether I'm speaking to four-year-olds or my own children or, you know, middle schoolers or whether I'm speaking to who I would classify as heroes of the faith. I am never worthy. What makes me worthy is you. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that makes me worthy to be able to preach your gospel Mm -hmm. is that it's the same gospel that transformed my life. And so I, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of the enemy that we're unqualified. But what we try to say is... We, 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 we basically fall into his trap by saying, oh, no, I am qualified and justify ourselves yeah. and say I'm more qualified than somebody else mm-hmm. and judge them yeah. instead of saying you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. The only thing that qualifies me is the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But that blood's enough. Right, right, right. That's so good. And then the story culminates yeah. at, at my favorite part, the, the end. Yes. Um, where where the good Samaritan, the despised Samaritan, a despised Samaritan, some guy who was willing to help, yeah, brought someone who he saw in desperate need of help, dropped them off at this inn and told the innkeeper, do whatever you need to do to help this man and whatever thing you do, whenever I get back, I'll pay you back. Um, and that really describes our role as the church. Um, and in in our until then mission, as you called it, and uh, um, with that, like, w- what does that look like for us as a church being an in? I think uh, one the first time that I ever heard anybody preach on um, the in was actually Judah Smith, and um, he briefly mentioned it in one of his sermons, and it blew my mind because I'd never seen that in the mm-hmm. scriptures before. 
Um, but when I think about who we are supposed to be as the church, and specifically the local church, mm-hmm. right? Um, we are supposed to be a safe place for people to walk in out of the war zones of their lives and not have to worry about whether they belong Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about whether they fit and not have to worry about whether they know exactly what to do and all of the different things, but that they know that they're going to be loved, cared for, and accepted. So I I think it it starts there. But the reason that we... um, The reason I think that a, a lot of times we will hold back from being an in is because we start to look for people for payment, mm. um, and that just messes everything up. And yeah. I think that's why it's very important in the story that the Samaritan who we're reading as Jesus in this in this portion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the Samaritan says, when I come back, I'll pay you all that you're owed. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we talked about on Sunday and, and what we really believe as Christ followers, but also as a church, is that um, we will receive our reward from Jesus in heaven, mm-hmm. but we also will receive everything we need from Jesus here on earth. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I can pour into uh, the life of somebody who is uh, coming into our church from the military and is only going to be here three months, and I can put a ton of effort into them, training them, helping them, doing whatever I need to do, and watch them walk out the door and never go, man, I wasted time. Right. Because it's not about what they give mm-hmm. back. It's about the fact that Jesus dropped them off at our end for three months. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that we took as good of care of them as possible. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's the same across the board. Some it's it's kind of a truism of ministry that often the people that you help the most will be the ones who leave. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. Right. Maybe they needed to leave mm-hmm. to go to their next thing. Yeah. And if we celebrate the seasons of life that we get to do together instead of begrudging the, lo- the, the times that we have to leave or that we don't get to be together, it just makes everything so much better. Mm-hmm. I tell our staff all the time, I tell people in the church, nobody gets to do life together. You know? Yeah. You're, you're next to one woman when you're born. And if you're lucky enough, Jared, you'll be next to another one when you die, right? <laughs> you don't get to do life with your mom. You don't get to do life with your wife. You don't, you don't get to do life with anybody. Mm-hmm. We only get to do seasons. Mm-hmm. And those seasons can last a day or they can last a decade. And when we see ourselves as the in, that feels natural. That feels good. That feels designed. That feels part of God's plan. We don't have to be resentful about it. We don't have to get hurt. We don't have to get offended. We don't have to go, I can't believe they weren't more grateful. I can't believe they didn't give us a better tip. I can't believe that they left the church and went to that church. I can't believe they planted a church down the road. We can literally just give all that up and go, man, God, did I do a good job? When they were the guest at the end, mm. did I good, do a good job of serving beside them? Did I do? And God will give us everything that we need. Yeah, that 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 which I think that sums up the heartbeat of this message is: Will we? And I think you said this on Sunday: Will we receive who Jesus brings? Absolutely. Will we receive who Jesus brings? Um, because we don't choose who He's going to bring. Right. We just choose the attitude in which we will receive them. Wow. And I I am so incredibly grateful that as a community, we really have embraced this identity that we're going to be innkeepers, Mm -hmm. that we're going to be people who stand at the doors of the church, literally and figuratively, Mm -hmm. and welcome whoever shows up for however long they stay. Mm -hmm. We're going to do our best to um, create community, to create all of those different things. But at the same time, at the end of the day, 
we're going to realize what our role is and what it isn't. Yeah. We, yeah. we are not the savior of the world. Mm-hmm. He has already come and he has already done the work. We're the ones that take care of those who the Savior brings to us. Wow, wow, incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time here, Pastor Destiny. And thank you all for tuning in today. We, uh, If you aren't a part, uh, haven't been a part of the journey, don't forget to pick up a book in the foyer when you come. And if, and if you're looking for a place to belong, if you're looking for a church in the Shreveport-Bossier area, uh, we want to we let you know that you have a spot here. You belong here. We would love to see you here Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11. 1115 and and, uh and you can check us out on social media too yeah yeah um we're cc uh north point Mm -hmm. i think on most of the uh platforms and then feel free to stalk us or or watch online live before you (laughs) websites in cc.team yeah so So anyway uh we hope to see you here sunday 9 or 9 30 and 11 15 god bless